0: Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon.
1: All right, guys, what I'd like you to do right now is I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, We're going to focus on verses 8 through 11 this morning. Now, I just want to remind you what we've been looking at, and we're building upon what we're looking at. We've been going through the book of Colossians, and the whole focus of this entire letter is our life in Christ, our life with Jesus. Jesus. And really what it means is, is our relationship with Christ. And so I just want you to understand some powerful truths this morning as we get back into what we're looking at today. In fact, what we've been looking at builds upon everything. So if you remember, in the earlier part of our study, we talked about that your Christian life, Christianity is not based upon a set of rules. Do this, don't do this, have this ceremony, don't do this ceremony, keep this new moon, this festival. That's because in in the time of the Colossians, most of them were Jews, and so they were basically telling everybody to keep these Jewish rites and rituals. But he's telling us that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is the relationship with Jesus and the reality of what he makes you to be in him. So let me give you two truths. I just want to give you this as a reminder. Here's, Here's the first one Your true reality will finally be exposed when Jesus returns. See, the moment you became a believer in Jesus Christ, you became someone new. It's kind of like, remember, I've used the illustration, kind of like planting, and we're getting ready to do that in our area here. So you plant that seed, and that seed dies. But when that seed dies, it becomes something new. It bursts forth into a plant. That expresses a spirituality. When you come to Christ in faith, the old you dies, and what comes out of that is a new you. But the reality of the new you will yet to be be expressed until the day when Jesus comes back. So you're somebody new. You can look in the mirror and say, well, I look like the old, same old me. No, but you're somebody new now. Now, here's the second thing I want you to see. You are no longer defined by the specific sins that were once a part of you. So, okay, let's think about this. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves... Every one of us here, I don't mean to offend you, every one of us here has some sin habits. Sins that define you. They're different for each person. It might be similar for people here, but pretty much they're your own thing. And you know what they are because, especially as you get older. As you get older, you realize, I just keep struggling with this same old thing it's the same old thing when i go and talk with you jesus that i'm confessing and so you realize that there are certain things that you are used to doing that are wrong and the old you was defined by that now what what paul has been telling us in this letter up until this point is is that you the new person in jesus who's yet to be revealed as to who you truly are until the day that Jesus comes back, you right now are not defined by that sin. That's an awesome thought, isn't it? Now, others may define you as that. Do you understand? And others may remind, well, I remember when you used to do this. But the reality is, you're not defined by these things. That's what you need to see. And so because you're this new person, he's, he's going to talk to you today when we look at verses 8 through 11 about living the future now. What, what does that mean, living the future now, George? Well, remember I told you, in the future, it is to be revealed who you truly are in Jesus, right? But the thing is, is that you can live who you really are in the future right now. And so he's going to express that to us in this passage. So we're going to look at these verses together. If you have your Bibles, look with me. Chapter 3, look at what it says in verse 8. Look at what he says. But you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, scathian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. All right, so let me, I'm going to take these verses apart for you, and, and I'm going to express to you what does it mean from these verses. Now, he's building upon what you've already understood, that who you are is somebody completely different. You're no longer defined by your sins. We already have the prior teaching that you shouldn't be living your life by religious rules and so forth. So what does he want us to do here? So what I'm going to see is, is that, first of all, he wants us to have a new lifestyle, A new way of living, okay, we're going to see that in verses 8 and 9. And then we're going to see the basis for the new living. There's going to be something here in verses 9 through 11 that will help you to understand why you can do what he's asking you to do in verses 8 and 9. So let's talk about verses 8 and 9, first of all, the new lifestyle, okay, the new lifestyle. And notice what he says, but you yourselves are to put off all To put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another. All right, so here's two things I want you to see. Actually, three things. Number one, you're to get rid of the sins that are reflective of the old you. You're to get rid of the sins that are reflective of the old you. Now, does everybody understand what sin is? Okay, sin is a transgression. It is a breaking of God's law. It is an offense against God. Now, the Bible uses sin in two ways. It'll use it in a plural sense, sins, in the in the individual things that you and I do that are wrong. It'll use it with reference to sin, which is the power of sin that is within your body, the cravings of your body and so forth, the temptation to do the wrong thing. And you and I face that every day, Right? Okay, now because of who you are now, we've already talked about this, you've died to the old man. Because you've died to the old man, the power of sin has been broken in your life. So what he's telling you now is, you need to get rid of the sins. You need to get rid of the things that once defined you. And now the issue is, is you now have the power to say no to it you now have the ability to move beyond it. Now the problem is, can I tell you what the problem is? The problem is when we fall back into it, that basically knocks the legs out from under us. We think we can't do anything more, so we just wallow in it. But the problem is, is we don't understand the precious promises. What do you mean? Psalm 37. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in them. All right, so listen. Again, remind yourself of the truth. Your life, God has laid it out before you. And it says there that he delights in your life. God takes pleasure in you. Do you realize that? God takes personal pleasure in you. It's kind of like a parent or a grandparent. Don't you take pleasure in your kids watching their lives? When you see them you you get excited because that's your child or that's your kid and you're what? Proud, right? you delight in them that's that's the heavenly father he delights in you yeah but you say well wait a minute george we're talking about sins and we're talking about messing up and man i'm messing up how can he delight in me well look at what it says there in the next verse it says though he yet stumble he will not utterly be cast down for the what the lord upholds him with his hand god delights in you but he knows that you're going to what mess up so what does he do He's there upholding you with his hand. So again, I've used that illustration, okay? Babies learning to walk. Now, when your child was ready to walk, did you tell them, okay, get up and walk? Did you do that with them? That doesn't work, does it? No, what do you do? You get down there with them. You hold out your hands. You let them steady themselves. You let them try to walk and you let your hands go so that they can walk by themselves, but they're just right there ready to what? Catch them because if they fall, you don't want them hitting the coffee table, right? By the way, move the coffee table, okay? The reality is is that's how God is with us. He wants us to stop, and even though you are having a hard time stopping, he hasn't changed in his love for you. Deal with those sins. Now, here's what I want you to see about those sins. Here's the second powerful thing you need to understand. These sins concern the issues of your heart, not the outward appearance. All right, so let's look at this list of sins here. He gives us a list. It's not exhaustive, but he's trying to make a point here. If you look with me at verse 8, look at what he says here. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. All right. What are those reflective of? the essence of who you are in your heart. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew. It'll be up on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through 37. Here's Jesus. He's talking to religious people who who are focused on religion rather than truly worshiping God. He says, Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak such good things? For out of the abundance of the heart The mouth speaks. A good man, out of the treasures of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the last day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. What's Jesus getting to here? The sins that he's talking about in when he was addressing this group of Pharisees, and the whole issue of what Paul's talking to us about here—they are reflective of our what, of our hearts. Now, notice what he's not telling them to stop doing. He's not talking about outward religious actions, right? God is more interested in you changing your what, folks? Your heart. Now let's, uh, okay, so let's talk about church. What are we more interested in changing in church? Outward appearance. You know, when I was a young Christian years ago, 30 years ago, I went to a little bitty independent Baptist church out in West Columbia, South Carolina, I used to think it was amazing that we would talk about somebody. Oh, well, there he went. He fell back off the wagon. He's back drinking. Isn't that terrible? Yeah, it is terrible. But isn't it terrible we're gossiping about him, too? What? what where does gossip come from? The heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's just as, and in fact that's even more terrible right? Because gossip can what? Destroy people. Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? See, tendency in the church is to, how are you dressed? What Bible are you carrying? How's your hair look? Are you doing all the right things? Are you showing up? And and it's easy, can I be honest with you, it's easier to do that than to change your what? Heart, right? Because it takes God to change your heart but he's doing that through you anyhow so that you can put away anger malice blasphemy filthy language here's the other thing he tells us stop lying to each other lying comes easy isn't it i mean can i be honest with you Lying, everybody recognizes is a sin, right? I had a friend who used to tell me lying is an abomination unto God, but a great help in a time of need. Well, can I be honest with you? Our culture operates that way. We're used to lying. Why? Because we're used to self-preservation. And so we're in a culture where we don't accept things as truth. But now you are a believer in Jesus Christ who has been set free by the truth of Jesus. And so now we are expected to what? Be truthful. So now he's telling us what? Because of who you are, you're no longer defined by your sins. Put away these sins. It's reflective of your heart. But what also? Quit lying to each other. Quit lying. Now you're saying, okay, boy, George, that is so, boy, that sounds good. I've heard that before. But doing it is a different thing. Would everybody agree with that? doing it, putting away my anger. You just don't understand, George. I am so mad because of this. And right now we live in the age of rage, right? Where everybody's mad. And it's real easy to get mad. But he's telling us to put away the anger. Well, you know, that's so easy to say, but how do you do it? Well, he tells us how. In this final section here, verses 9 through 11. Let me read it to you and then I'm going to give you some points for the basis of this new reality, this new life we're supposed to be living. Look with me at verse 9, the latter part. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised, nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. All right, so I'm going to give you three things that will help you. Three things that blew my mind this week. Three things that will help you to understand. First of all, number one, you have to consciously choose how you're going to live. It's a daily thing. You have to consciously choose. In fact, he uses the illustration of putting off and putting on. The closest thing that you and I can understand is putting on clothes and taking off clothes. Okay, so let me ask you something. Does everybody here have a grubby t-shirt that you like to wear? You have a grubby t-shirt that you like to wear when you go and do chores, right? So, like, I'm probably going to be mowing the yard this week. I know I'm going to be mowing the yard. Wife has talked to me about mowing the yard. I have to mow the yard. So guess what? I'm going to put on my grubby t-shirt and a grubby pair of jeans, and go mow the yard. You've got a grubby thing, you've got a grubby t-shirt that you use to clean the house, or you've got a grubby t-shirt that you use to wash your car. You've got a grubby t-shirt that you work in, right? Now, do you wear your grubby t-shirt to your next family gathering? No. Do you wear your grubby t-shirt when you take your sweetie out on a date? No, you put on what? Something new, right? something better something that looks nice you know you take off the old and put on the new so we understand taking off the old putting on the new now he's using that same illustration here to help you to understand take off the old you that was defined by sin take it off daily make a conscious decision that you're going to live differently because you're putting on what? the new you The new you. So you've got to take it off and put it on. You've got to consciously decide, I'm not going to live this way anymore. Well, yeah, George, I've done that, but guess what? I still did wrong. Well, then halfway through the day, I'm not going to live this way anymore. You take off the old and put on the new. That's the reality here. Now, how can I do that, George? Because I lack the strength. I lack the understanding. I lack the know-how how how to do that because haven't you said before that without Jesus I can do nothing? Yes, that's true. The stuff God asks us to do, we can't do it on our own. Okay, well, how do I do it then? Look with me at verse 10. (laughs) Look with me at verse 10. And have you put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge? That word renewed, what what does that mean? Well, here's the choice. This choice is reinforced by the renewal of your life. You have to be renewed. Now, how do you do that? Well, listen to what Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says. It'll be up on the screen for you. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So he's saying, don't be conformed. Everybody's conforming, you know what I'm saying? We're conforming. We're we're, we're being influenced by others to do what we're supposed to be doing. But he's saying, don't do that. Don't be conformed to what everybody else is doing, but you be transformed. What does that mean? You change where? That word transform is from the Greek word meaning metamorphosis. You understand metamorphosis from high school? Remember we took high school biology? You know, when you have a butterfly, it goes into a chrysalis. Little worm goes into a chrysalis and it becomes a what? Butterfly. Or a moth, right? Some flying bug that you swat. Well, what happened? It changed from the inside out. But So you change from the inside out, how? By the renewing of your mind. Another part in the scripture tells you that you renew your mind through what? God's word. Reading God's word. That just sounds too simple, George. Yeah, it is. You know, I realized this week. You know, all my life as a believer, I've been told, "Read the Bible." How many of you have been told, "Read the Bible"? Everybody should be saying, "Yes, that's me." Read the Bible. Now, if you were to go up to them and say to them, "Why should you read the Bible?" Uh, well, my pastor told me to do that, or the guy on the radio told me to do that. Most of us don't know why we read the Bible. We're told to read the Bible. We're told how important it is to read the Bible. But I'm telling you, the reason why you read the Bible is because that's what God uses to change you gradually. How do you know? So when I read the Bible, he speaks to me. By what? Pointing out something that maybe needs to change in my life. Or encouraging me in an area. Because I'm reading it. I let it speak to me. And then here's what happened. In certain times when I face certain decisions, guess what comes to my mind? The Bible. Where did that come from? Holy Spirit brought it to my mind to help me to know what I need to do in that circumstance, in that situation. See, here's the thing. You and I, we've got to constantly consciously we got to make that decision to choose how to live and how that happens is i can do it because i'm renewing myself how do you renew yourself by reading his word by that relationship with him see see this is what's important see the reality is is that he wants you to change your hearts but he's the one who changes it how does he change it by you getting in his word and here's the final thing i want you to see It's possible because Jesus Christ is everything to you. That's what he's saying here. In Christ... In Christ, God doesn't care where you're from, what side of the railroad tracks you're from. He doesn't care what your education level is. He doesn't care where you work. He doesn't care anything about who you are, what you've done in the past. He just cares about you. Why? Look what it says here, verse 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, scathian, slave nor free. But here it is. But Christ is all and in all. See, It's all about who, folks? Jesus. So the reality of being able to change who you are into the person that you're going to become, he does that in your life. Why? Because Jesus is everything to you. Listen, have you listened to what he's been telling us through this letter? You are different He sees you as different. You are not, let's go back to what he said, you are not defined by your failures. Our culture likes to define us by our failures, right? Isn't it interesting that in high school we read The Scarlet Letter? You ever read that one in high school? Maybe you watched the movie. What was The Scarlet Letter? It was the woman who committed adultery, who had to walk around with what? A scarlet A on her chest. And that's what we, that's reflective of our culture. We like to label people. But God doesn't label you. He's not interested in labeling you. He labels you as his son or his daughter. He does not define you by you. He defines you by who? Jesus Christ. Because he's done everything. For you he's your all and because of that as you interact with him through his word and as you pray he renews who you are and you are able to put aside those sins because what your heart changes isn't that awesome isn't that the reality of who you are that is what is so special so let me give you this last point here it's the same point I've been giving you all through this series you have to decide to get serious about your relationship with Jesus. You have to decide. It's all about you. Do, you. do you understand? It's all about what you want to make of the relationship. He's there, He's ready to have that relationship with you. He's done everything, He's changing you, He's working in your heart. He's that Father who's helping you to walk. He won't let you stumble and fall down on your face. But you have to decide. You and I have to decide how serious are we going to be about this wonderful relationship. You know, we have relationships in our lives, right? We do. So, you know, I have a marriage relationship. I have a relationship with my kids. I have a relationship with my mom. I have relationships, friendships. I have relationships with people in this church. But I'm going to tell you one thing about one failing of all of those relationships. And this is true of all of the relationships that you have. No matter how close you are to them. They don't truly understand what's going on in your mind and in your heart. Wouldn't everybody agree with that? But let me tell you about the relationship with Jesus. He understands you completely. He knows everything about your heart and your mind. He knows your struggles, your fears. And guess what? He knows your sins. And he still, what? Loves you and accepts you. That's the relationship that's there. The question is, are you going to get serious about it?